Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome back, listeners, to the fourth installment in my Die Hard movie review series. Today I am reviewing Live Free or Die Hard. This is your host, Corbin, and last week I reviewed Die Hard with a Vengeance. I had a lot of mixed feelings about that one. You're not going to want to miss that review that is linked below. And if you want to know about the production of this film, why it took them 12 years to make it, how it all came together, the critical response, the box office, that's in your guide to live free or die hard. That just came out a few days ago, so go ahead and check out that guide. That is the first link below, and while you're down there, We've got timestamps if you're ready to jump in. We've got the Patreon page. We have our social links. There's all kinds of great content down there. A curated list of episodes to listen to after this one. If you're not checking out down there, then you're really missing out. So next week, we are going to be doing my birthday pick. We're going to be reviewing Uncharted. Alan and I are fans of the Naughty Dog games. So it's going to be curious to see our thoughts on the theatrical rendition of the film. And then the week after that, I'll be coming back to finish off the Die Hard series, and then from there on, we're going to be jumping into the, as of right now, Kingsman trilogy. So I'm curious to uh, see how those movies are. I've seen the first one, but none of the rest. So intrigued for that. If you haven't already, click subscribe. Got some great reviews coming up. Click subscribe no matter where you're at. Leave us five stars. That really helps. You're not going to want to miss out. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So that's a great way to get plugged in. So back in 2007, when this movie came out, I would have been 12 years old. Yeah, I was 12 years old. So just under that cutoff of the PG-13. And that was a big controversy we talked about in your guide to live for your diehard. I'm just going to call it LFDH from now on. Just kidding. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to call it Die Hard 4 because this title, it's kind of a mouthful. Nevertheless, I was 12 years old. Very much getting into the PG-13 action genre, which I would say was in its prime back in the 2000s, I would say. So my cousin is the one that semi-introduced me to this movie. He loved this movie. He owned it on DVD. He had a laptop with a DVD player. So we're hanging out and he's showing me the very beginning. Come to find out I'm going to have to be leaving soon. So he just skips straight to the end where he's on the helicopter, not the helicopter, he's on the airplane, um, which is not a spoiler, it's in the trailer. He is on the airplane jumping around and this was also very close to the Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 era for me where I'd get huge into that game and there's a plane that can kind of hover and you can control. So I always connected those two things. So that's about all I had saw of the movie. And I had this vague recollection. Mary Elizabeth Winstead was in this. Unfortunately, not much. I mean, that's such a missed opportunity. She was a very young star at the time. She's really become much more of a known name, I would say, 
I wish she would have been in more of it, but alas, she is not. But nevertheless, I don't really remember the trailers for this at all. Um, I'm sure I did see the trailers. I thought it was cool. Um, I couldn't probably convince my parents to take me to go see this one. Um, I did not see the previous three, which were rated R and for good reason. But watching this trailer today, I'm actually very impressed. There's very little dialogue. It is just adrenalizing action. It looks very exciting to me. It's actually one of the best action trailers that I've seen. So definitely, I, I can't say it would get me in opening weekend, but sometime probably within its first few weeks, I would make it a point to go see this movie if if it were coming out today or if I was old enough to take myself back then. So as for the plot of this movie, listeners, from here on out, we are going to get into spoilers. If you haven't seen Die Hard 4 and you want to watch it, as of the time of this recording, it it was at least on Prime Video, so it's probably floating around one of the streaming platforms somewhere. Of course, you can pick it up on physical media or digital very easily. It's not really very expensive, I don't believe. So I, just a heads up, I watched the theatrical cut for this. I wanted that theatrical experience. From what I understand, the ways people buy this now are pretty much only the unrated cut. So a lot of you will probably be seeing the unrated cut, which is essentially saying it's the R-rated version of the movie. But Fox wanted to cut it down for more audiences. So if you don't want to spoil it for you, it's easy to go get your hands on. Check it out and then come back and click play here on the podcast and we'll be ready to talk about it. So, as I was saying, the plot is incredibly basic for this movie. John McClane is back now in the 21st century to stop cyber terrorists and save his daughter. Saving his daughter part really doesn't become much of a plot point until the very end. Hence, her initial setup within the first couple of minutes, she disappears until the very, very end just to up the stakes, I suppose. Nevertheless, that's really it. Justin Long is a computer hacker. Um, this did come out the exact same year as Transformers. There are some weird coincidences going on here as far as computers go, cyber attacks, um, even the yellow color filters throughout this movie. It's a weird coincidence, but nevertheless, it's a really simple plot. And that's one of the best things about this is the movie doesn't bog us down with character development in the beginning or really anything like that. We get an initial setup and then we jump into the action quickly. And that's pretty much what all those movies in the 2000s were about was give me the action. Maybe we'll investigate the details and plot points later. But nevertheless, this is a 21st century hacker plot. This isn't anything terribly new. There's a Harrison Ford movie called Firewall. This was very much at the forefront of people's minds as, you know, the cyber age and what could computers actually do. Um, there's a little bit of Occupy Wall Street in here as well. It's a fun plot, I think. it's a It was topical at the time, talking about, you know, this was the year before the recession in 2008, um, which was a huge financial mess for the United States. So, kind of a clairvoyancy here going on but the cast actually is good that was one of my questions going in is will justin long ruin this no i, I think he does a fine job in this um i've never not liked him i suppose but teaming him up with bruce willis is a bit of an odd couple because willis is the tough guy long is kind of the wimp and pretty much everything uh, just kind of the funny guy so they play off each other decently well i still think willis and sam jackson are the best together uh, but Willis really is likable as usual. 
he steps back into the role nicely. I was very happy to see that. Um, there is an American president's video that they cut together. I found that to be clever. So there, there's a lot of clever things they do throughout this movie that does keep my t attention. Um, something my wife noticed that is definitely worth bringing up is kind of the tradition of John McClane talking on the radio with the terrorists. And he does that once again before they ever come face to face. So that was nice to see. And just in general, as far as the action goes, I found this action to be very entertaining, very gripping. This plot moves along very well, so I didn't have any pacing issues with this movie. I think they do a really nice job of creating some great action. And it's from the director of Underworld and Underworld Evolution, which was his two films previous to this. I recently actually just watched Underworld, and that is a very good-looking movie, and I think the action is very well handled. So. To me, it makes sense why they want him in here. There's even a little bit of a bad boys feeling to this movie, I would say. Not to say that the director has any connection with bad boys as far as I know, but just trying to give you an overall picture of kind of what this movie is like. There are some disappointing elements, though. Um, you do have to think everybody in the world, that's at least these characters that we're seeing, is really dumb. There are all of these traffic lights going green in one scene and everybody keeps going. I don't know how it's handled in the big city, but from around where I'm at, if a traffic light is broken, you treat the area as a four-way stop. Nobody does. They just keep ramming into each other. There's a lot of traffic talk here. A lot of it is silly where cars will just keep driving head on towards each other. People just don't use common sense in this movie. Um, you do have to suspend a lot a belief with this one. For some people, that's going to be a deal breaker. For me, it was fun to call out with my wife. I was able to roll with it, even though, yeah, from a script writing perspective, it's bad. It's not good. I also really don't like the blue and yellow color filters throughout this. They're really strong. Um, this movie's heavily filtered and skewed towards blue and yellow, towards a noticeable amount uh, they do also play fast and loose with technology in this movie, which I think will bug some people. It's just wildly unbelievable that they could hack anything at any time with just a breeze. It is very easy for them to hack. Um, and that's one of my main issues is the bad guy, Gabriel, is set up as the world's greatest hacker. Unfortunately, we never get to see him do any hacking. He is just... Played by Timothy Oliphant, who does fine. It's always fun to see Oliphant. Um, he just stands around, though, and he tells this other guy with glasses what to do um, on his crew. This guy is, maybe he's the greatest hacker in the world. It's really shocking that he is the worst villain, probably. I mean, I think Oliphant, I like him better than the villain in Die Hard 2, which I kind of just want to forget all about that movie and those villains. But nevertheless, the villain is weak. Um, the ending is lame where McLean does do something very heroic. She, he shoots himself and the bullet goes through himself and takes out Gabriel. But nevertheless, it's not very exciting. I want to see him come face to face in a much grittier scene. And that's something that diehard films really, really struggle with after the first one is they have no idea how to end these movies and how to finish up with the bad guys. They're kind of all let down actually, except for the first one. So I think a lot of people have an issue with that. I did too. Um, so aside from people being stupid, the government is stupid. All the hacking is way too easy. 
this secret social security building where they have like all of the United States money, which didn't make any sense, is only guarded by four people, is utterly ridiculous. Um, and how the bad guys accomplish everything, it, it's just too easy. So, like I said, this this movie goes down very easily. It's, you know, kind of a bit of a baby food as far as action movies go. You just take your spoonful, move on. You're either going to have fun or you don't. So, for me, Live Free or Die Hard may perfectly encapsulate the 2000s action genre. Over the top, visual effects spectacle, exciting, carefree, and ultimately nonsensical. You do have to suspend your disbelief a lot to get through this movie, but overall it fits well into the John McClane world. Providing thrills and plenty of action, it's tough for me because the first half of the third film's script is far superior to this, but if it weren't for three botching it the second half, it would be my pick for second best in the franchise. Die Hard 4 is far more watchable to me, even if the script and climax have issues. And I will say this, the climax of this is better than the climax of 3. The climax of 3 is just not good at all in really any ways. Um, too, too many issues. 3 becomes such a disappointment the more I think about it. I can't say this is a great movie or even a good one, but it is a fun one. And for that reason, it's going as my second favorite in the franchise. Live Free or Die Hard receives 6 stars out of 10 with a mild recommend. Would I pick this one up and add it to my collection, or would I pass? You know, I would pick this one up. Um, it would be nice to just pick up the five-film collection. This is one I could see myself returning to in the future. Other film and TV recommendations I have for you listeners after checking out Live Free or Die Hard is the 24 TV show. I think 24 was going on at the time. Uh, had a huge following. I have watched through the entirety of it. Absolutely love the series. To me, this is trying to be 24, but within under two hours. So definitely check out the show if you haven't. I'm also going to be recommending Mission Impossible 3. That's another kind of reboot of the Mission Impossible genre in a new way I think a lot of people will like. And I'm also going to be recommending Jumper with Hayden Christensen. While I didn't think that movie was great, I think it was an interesting action film of the 2000s. I actually wrote up a big piece on letterbox.com about it. I'll link to that below. Um, I did mention Bad Boys earlier. This does have a lot of flavors of Bad Boys, Firewall, Transformers. It's kind of a hodgepodge of things at the time. That's why I'm saying it kind of encapsulates a lot of stuff. So, I think you're going to either have fun with it or you won't, but for me, I did. And strangely enough, it took 12 years for us to get this movie, over 12 years. It's going to take another five, over five and a half years to get Die Hard 5. I mean, this movie did very well. It's so strange that it's going to take so long. But once again, I'm going to come back and talk about Die Hard 5 in two weeks. I did actually go see Die Hard 5 in the IMAX. Spoiler alert, I didn't have a pleasant experience with that one. I'm curious how my thoughts may or may not have changed since I saw it in its theatrical release. Well, listeners, the question after the show is, is Die Hard 4 the best sequel in the franchise? You know my answer, but I'm curious about yours. So make sure to send me an email at silverscreenguide95 at gmail.com. I will read your answers on the show. I'm very curious to see what some of you think. That is linked below the email and the question. Everything you need is down below. So thank you listeners for coming along with me for my review of Live Free or Die Hard. Looking forward to coming back to you next week with my birthday pick with our review of Uncharted. 
Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.